Hallelujah. We have um, some couple of minutes ahead of us. And as we have been well informed, we are doing a, a teaching series on the proper way to leave a church. This is a tall order. We must admit it is actually an adventure. I think it's a message that is really needed in the body of Christ. And it takes some level of confidence to, to preach it. We are in an era of establishing of souls in the house of God. Any church that will do well in these times, we need to take it upon themselves to establish the sheep. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I think it's a season of making sheep to lie down. And if a certain level of established doctrine or teaching is not enforced, becomes very difficult to preach it because it's as if you are telling people to leave the church. But I think that every truth, no matter where and who brings it, is liberating. Therefore, we are not encouraging people to leave the church, but we are encouraging people to do the right thing. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, It says, but if I am delayed, I write that you may know. So in our teachings, um, we are trying to more or less provide a direction, biblical direction, to our conduct in the house of God. And our opening verse is from 1 Timothy 3.15, which says that there is a way we ought to conduct ourselves. So by way of an introduction, we are going to talk about what is the church. So um, I'll try as much as possible to give the various names that have been given to the church, the revelations of the church, images and types and even shadows of the church in the Old Testament particularly. But the focus of this teaching is on the local church. Because I don't consider it appropriate to leave the universal church. Leaving the universal church to me is apostasy. So we are talking about leaving the local church and not the universal church. Hallelujah. All right. All right, so for our purposes tonight, I'm going to talk about the right way to leave a church. And I'm going to talk about what is the church. Of course, I will talk about the, the local church and the universal church. What, what is it? Because when you say you are leaving a church, it becomes complex. What does it mean? Then also we are going to talk about various images and types and shadows of the church, especially or particularly in the Old Testament. There is a reason for that, so that we understand what the church is and what the church is not. Because many people think that to say that you are leaving a church is not something that is right. The fact that I'm stopping Methodists doesn't mean I'm leaving the church. Do you get it? So what exactly do you mean? And that is why I'm introducing all of these things. Then the next thing is I'm going to focus the teachings on the local church. The local church. Why? Because I think that it is inappropriate 
under every circumstance to leave the universal church because that brings you into a place of apostasy, which is forfeiting of your place in Christ. In other words, denying your salvation. So I am referring to leaving the local church when I talk about the right way to leave a church. I'm talking about leaving the local church, leaving a denomination, or leaving a family of believers that you belong to. That's what I mean by leaving the church. Now, in the first place, is it right to leave a church? Can God lead a person to leave a church? If yes, how does he do it? And why will God do that? What would be God's purpose to lead someone to leave a church? Secondly, can someone be led by Satan to leave a church? If yes, how does Satan do it? And what would be Satan's purpose to lead someone to leave a church? And now let me say that these teachings I am doing is relevant to certain um, category of church members. That is to say, if you do not fall within that category of church members, everything I'm talking about is not relevant to you. Because there are people who may regard themselves as members of a church, or they may be regarded as members of a church. But their departure or leaving that church may not fall within the focus of my teachings today. For instance, if somebody comes to church as a first time and stays in the church for one month and leaves the church, all the things I'm teaching does not apply to that type of a person because he is a type of a church member. So I have to define the type of church members that I am referring to, for which I think that there has to be an order in the way and manner which they leave the church. I hope you are following. There are people who become influential and highly committed and their presence or absence creates a great effect. Whether pleasant or unpleasant, on the church. If they leave the church, it creates a significant pleasant or unpleasant effect on the church. These significant members are those I'm going to focus on in this series. And I will take my time to define who these type of significant members are. By way of my preamble, I'll focus my teaching on the following 12 points. Number one, I'm going to talk about what is the church. Number two, I'm going to talk about images of the church in the Old Testament. Then I will talk about the church and its diverse names. Why? Because the names of the church also give us a revelation of the church. For instance, you realize that in several places in the Bible, 
The church is referred to as a person. Some it is referred to as a group of people. Some the church is referred to as even an inanimate thing. Like a temple. The Bible calls us the temple of God. A temple is a structure. So there are instances the church is referred to as an individual person. There are instances the church is referred to as a group of people. And all of these names help us to understand the uniqueness of the church and what it means when we say you are leaving the church. Because if the church is considered a body, then leaving the church is implying that a body is going to be cut off. And that creates a significant effect. If that body was cancerous, we can say it's a pleasant departure. But if that body was healthy, then it is an unpleasant effect that the church is going to face. Are you following? All right. So from there, I'm going to talk about who is a church member? Who is a church member? That is the second thing I'm going to talk about. So that we will take our time to define the type of church members we are talking about. One of them is people who become leaders of the church. They are the people I'm talking about. One of them is people who stand in front of the church. Even if they are not leaders, they are the people I'm talking about. One of them is people who have been in the church for some long period of time. Two years, three years, four years. These are the type of church. They may not be leaders. But the fact that they have been in the church for long implies that they have had an impact on the body. And their departure may affect the body. So I will try to talk about types of church members that I am focusing on. I hope you are following. Then I will come to another important thing. What does it mean to leave a church? What does it mean when we say that somebody is leaving the church? What does it mean? Then I'll talk about examples, biblical examples of people who left their churches. Now you remember I talk about the church and various types of it. So that if we say that Gehazi left his church, then we will have to understand that the school of the prophets under the prophet Elisha is considered a church. So when I give the types, the shadows, in the wilderness, Datan, Biram, Korah, all of them, the Bible says, Miriam rose up against Moses. According to the book of Acts, chapter 7, the Jews in the wilderness were a church. The Bible even says that they were baptized in Moses. So we will have to understand that the Jews that were walking in the wilderness was a type of a church. So we'll have to define various types of church that existed in the Old Testament to help us to know the people who left their churches. I hope you understand. Then we come to what happens to the church if somebody leaves. Then number six, I come to what is the biblical guide to leave a church? What are the instances in the Bible that people left their churches? So that we can receive instructions. Now, what is the biblical guide to leave a church? Then we come to number seven. What may happen to those who leave the church? For that, we are also blessed with many examples. For instance, you will know that Paul and Barnabas left the church in Jerusalem. And what happened to them afterwards? We will also know that Judas left the church of the apostles. 
and what happened to him. So what happens to people when they leave the church? Then we come to number eight. Why do people leave the church? Why? But this, we will try to outline some of the problems, the reasons why people leave, so that we can also learn. Glory to God. Then number nine, what are the scriptural signs that God is the one leading someone to leave a church? Pastor, is it possible for God to guide somebody to leave a church? Yes. What are the biblical signs? Number one, if the head pastor is persecuting the person. Because David didn't leave the house of Saul. He was driven from the house of Saul. So sometimes God may stir up persecution from the highest echelons of power in the church. And it can be a sign that God is telling you to leave. And if God doesn't want you to leave, he will give you strength to stay. So sometimes God can lead a person out of a church. Under what circumstance does God lead somebody out of a church? Then we come to number 10. What are the scriptural signs that Satan is the one leading somebody to leave a church? The Bible says, he that believes shall not make haste. Certain decisions are not from God. Throughout the Bible, anybody that left the church left with a notice. Paul and Barnabas didn't just leave. The disciples laid and prayed for them and sent them away. If God is the one leading you, you will be sent away. If Satan is the one leading you, it may become evident. Number 11. What do you do if you have made the right decision to leave a church or the wrong decision to leave a church? What do you do? Then lastly, a word of wisdom to know if you are in the right place or in the wrong place. A word of wisdom to guide you to know if you are in the right church or the wrong church. These are my 12 solid points for the teachings on the right way to live a church. I think at this point, we can end for today. And then, are we ready for a journey? Are you so sure? Oh, I love that. So what is the church? Under what is the church? You see, the reason why I'm doing these teachings is so for you to know that nobody is against you leaving the church. Put it in your head. Nobody. But Jesus taught me when I was in the university. One day I challenged my leaders in a leadership meeting. I was in third year. I challenged them not because I was wrong. I challenged them because I was right. Not that I felt I was right. Later it was proven that I was right. But the Lord told me, whatever you have to do, there is the right way to do it. I didn't know this. No matter what you have to do, no matter what you, not even you have to do, you want to do, there is the right way to do it. If you want to have sex, there is the right way. If you want to make money, there is the right way. If you want to leave church, there is the right way. And all of us here, if we will be spiritual, we should know that the church is a spiritual organization. It does not fall within any of the natural things on this earth. It is a very spiritual organization. 
And if you don't tackle it with all the spiritual wisdom it deserves, you can actually destroy your life. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell. When he said the gates of hell, he didn't say the gates of Satan. So, a person's personal do's and don'ts may be injurious to the church. And Jesus did this with that thing. What is the church? Under what is the church? I'm going to talk about the root meaning of the word church. In 1604, when you say church, what does it mean? Are you referring to the gathering of the people? Are you referring to the building? Or you are referring to what people do in the building? We come to church, we start singing and say, this is church. You are passing by a building and say, this is church. People gather at a place and say, church is going on. So when you say church, what does it mean? And that's why I said 1604. The King James the first of England called for a meeting in what is called the Hamptons Court Palace. Now, this man by name King James the first convened a meeting in England, a place called Hampton, in Hampton's Court Palace, to have discussions on disputations on significant church issues. It was at this conference that the Book of Common Prayer was written. And then in 1611, the King James Bible was written. Now, hitherto, or previously, or by this time, the Church of England had decided to break away from the Catholic Church. What that means is that the church at that time was Catholic. And so, they decided to write an English Bible for the instruction of the English church. In that conference, they invited some of the significant Puritan Bible scholars. And they coined a word from a German word by name Kirk or Kesh to use that word to represent the church. Why? Because at that time, the church was called mass in terms of the activity of the gathering of the saints. So that when you are going to church, you can say, I'm going for mass. But that German word, cash, actually was the word for temple as a church, referring to it as temple, rather than the gathering of the people. But up until this time, Christians, according to the Bible, were called the people of the way. They were called the called. And in us, in Antioch, they were called Christians. So that the people were not called church. The people and our gathering and our worship were all classified under different names. Acts chapter 9 verse 2. He says, and pour us from him 
to the synagogue of Damascus, letters. So that, he said, and ask letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way. So Christians were called the people of the way. At this time, the word Christians didn't exist. Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Then in Acts chapter 11, verse 22, He says, the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Then he says, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far. Verse 26, I beg your pardon. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church. And taught a great many people. And he says, for the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So from their name, the way, they transitioned into Christians, which simply means followers of Christ. But in Matthew, the gospel, chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus Christ also made mention of the church. And this is what he said. And I said to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when Jesus said, I will build my church, the name that was used for church here was Ecclesia. The Ecclesia implied a gathering. For instance, if politicians have a gathering, they can call it rally. The rally is not the speaker. The rally is the gathering. So Jesus Christ referred to our gathering as ecclesia, our assembly. He calls our assembly as church. So when the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly, he was saying, do not forsake the church. So that going ahead, if I say somebody has left church, it means the person has forsaken the assembling of the saints. If we are called ecclesia, it means a people who have been assembled called to assemble for a specific task. So Jesus Christ also referred to the church as an assembly, trying to understand what is church. So that when you say ecclesia, church, it is largely a reference to the gathering where two or three have ecclesia if that word exists. Where two or three have changed. Where two or three have gathered. The gathering is the church. So that the church in this context is not a group of people per se, but a group of people who have gathered. Not a building in the context of Ecclesia. Not a person, but a gathering. So that if there is no gathering, there is no church. For unto him shall the gathering of the people be. So that the gathering according to Jesus' reference to church is church. So that the person who does not come in the company of the gathering has left church. Hello? It is significant 
talking about leaving church, I'm talking about forsaking the assembling together of the saints. If you didn't go to church, it means you were not in a gathering. What that means is that one person cannot be a church because one does not gather. One person may appear and disappear. One person may sit or stand, but it takes a group of people to gather. So in the context of Christ, one person cannot form a church. In the context of Matthew 16, 18, why? Because to Christ, the gathering, the ecclesia is the church. So sitting home to say I'm doing online is not a church. Unless you bring together all the family members, then it becomes a church. Where two or three are gathered, not where one has sat. What is the local church? In the universal church. In AD 312, <laughs> there was an emperor of Rome. Flavius Valerius Constantinus, also known as Emperor Constantine. Himself and a man by name Lascivius, Lascinius, I beg your pardon, introduced a declaration. It is called the Edict of Milan. The Edict of Milan was issued in 313, a year after. But in AD 312, Constantine declared Christianity a legalized religion. Because before this time, it was illegal to be a Christian. This man by name Constantine was going to war. And he saw a vision in hoc signo ventures. In other words, in this sign, conquer. He believed that he saw the sign of the cross. And so when he won his battle in what is called the Battle of Bridge, Milvian, he decided to adopt Christianity as the religion of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire collapsed AD 500 and beyond. But before it collapsed, Constantine introduced it as a state religion. In other words, Christianity was not only going to be legalized, it was also going to be the religion of the empire. Now, by adopting Christianity as the empire for the Romans, introduced excesses into the church. Some of these excesses were pagan practices. Why? Because the Romans were pagans worshiping idols. The traditions of the Romans and their various vassal states influenced the practice and confession of Christianity. What that means is that if they believed in a God, that worship of that God was going to affect the practice of the Christian faith. By that, many excesses came into the church. One of them is that before you become a pastor, the state has to license you to become a pastor. One of them too is that by this point, the church was galvanized, uni, unified. The church became one. So that the church, whether it was in America or Africa or wherever it is, because Rome was ruling the world, the church became Catholicos. In other words, Catholic or universal. 
Now, by the Catholic practice of Christianity, so many things which were not biblical entered into the Christian faith. Until in 1517, a Roman monk by name Martin Luther produced a document which was known as the disputation of the power of indulgences. In that document, he invited debaters to discuss with him various doctrines of the Christian faith. That document was a 95 statements which he placed at the doorpost of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. By that post, it was an affront on the Catholic Church. By the affront of Martin Luther, there was going to be a revolution that was not only going to reform the Christian faith, but to change the course of global history. So even though Martin Luther was a Christian pastor, what he began in 1512, or 17, I beg your pardon, 31st October, became what is known as Protestantism. In his protest, many body of even secular movements arose. It included the toppling of monarchies. The history of the world changed. If you have studied the Enlightenment scholars, the Renaissance, Romanticism, all of these academic body of movements were as a result of the work of the Protestant movement began by Martin Luther. This is what became the basis of the modern world. The revolution of the world history began with the church by the work of Martin Luther. What was the effect? Martin Luther's work instigated many questions for the truth, among which many movements broke away from the Catholic Church and became what is known as denominations. So, all which Zwingli broke away. Martin Luther himself broke away. Then he formed what is called the Lutheran Church. Then John Calvin also broke away that he formed the Presbyterian Church. Then later, so many years afterwards, John Wesley also formed the Methodist Church. Denominations have begun. Now, by the forming of denominations, the church was no more universal or catholicos. The church now existed as denominations with local assemblies. So when I talk about leaving the church, I am not referring to leaving the universal church, which in effect will be an apostasy, but I'm referring to leaving the local church. It's denominationalism, the will of God. Hello? I think so. Why? Because in the early church, when there was no Catholic, the Bible told us the churches of the saints, 1 Corinthians. Are you here? 14. Verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. If the church existed as one, it should have said, as it is in all the church of the saints. So that the plurality of the church emphasizes the possibility of its denominational identification. 
Number two, from the early church, distinctions in doctrinal emphasis, differences in ecclesiastical dogmas, serve to me as a basis for what denominations have come to be today. Discrepancies in Christian practices is not a modern thing. It was it not Paul who said, if one says he is of Apollos, and one says Cephas, and one says Paul, is Christ divided? So that from the early church, even distinct authorities of Scripture were to us a guide of the mind of God, of God concerning the structure of the church. We will never be the same. Number three, when Jesus referred to the church in Revelation chapter two and chapter three, he did not refer to the church in unison. He referred to the church in singularity. The church in Smyrna, the church in Tartira, the church in Pergamos, the church in Philadelphia, the church in Laodicea. So that these different locations of the church signified different aspects of manifestations of the church. The very essence for which denominations represent today. He could have said all the churches, but he was specific to refer to individual churches. Additionally, several church fathers have spoken in defense of denominationalism. I remember some time ago, Kenneth Hagin in his book said, Jesus appeared to him when he was contemplating on the teachings of Watchman. Jesus said, I'll build my church. If what is going on is against his way, he would have removed it. Denominationalism exists to fulfill the will of God. Some of the errors of the early church those who acted in error even were depictions of denominations that may be in error, but still a body or a member in the body. Jesus said he is the head of the church. Everybody has members. And I believe denominations may exist as members of the body. Paul said, we are members of the body of Christ. When we read the church in Galatia, the churches all of Judea, the churches of Macedonia, the churches of the saints, it revealed to us that our respect for the universal church must commensurate with our respect for the local church because it is one and not the same. If we think we have respect for the body, it must be seen in our respect for each unit of the church. You can't disrespect Methodists and hide yourself in Presby. So if denominations are in the will of God, then your conduct in the universal church will show that you are born again. And your proper conduct in the local church will reveal your submission to the Spirit of God and the supply of grace that is at work in your life. The Bible says, the wisdom that is from above is willing to yield, James 3, 17. Images of the church in the Old Testament.
The church in the universal sense has been in existence since the beginning of the creation. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, it was not a list of names. It was an identity of the church. The Bible said they are not made perfect without us. It is one and the same church. In Acts chapter 7, verse 38, King James Version. It says, that is he that was in the church in the wilderness. When the angel who spoke to him or spoke to him on Mount Sinai, and with your fathers who received the lively or living oracles to give unto us. So when the Jews were in the wilderness, it was a church. That is what the Bible says. So that everything that happened, we can as well say, it went on in a church. Corinthians chapter 10 verse 2 said they were all baptized in Moses for all for were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea number 3 judges and their reign in the scriptures depict a church Prophets and their schools of sons give us an image of a church. Kings and their eras depicted a church so that David was a pastor. Saul was a pastor. The next is that religious or church activities or gatherings in the homes of people also give us an image of a church. So that what was going on in the house of Cornelius was a church. What was going on in the house of Priscilla and Aquila was a church. The era when the church was Catholicos also is a church. Denominations today exist as churches. Branches or subsidiaries of denominations are also churches. Now the church and its diverse names. The church has been referred to as the flock, a group of sheep. In reference to the church as a flock, we see the pastor as a shepherd. So that all the vulnerabilities of a sheep is quintessential of the, she of the church. And all the relevance of a shepherd is also significant in reference to church. The church, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, neither has been lost over God's heritage by examples to the flock. Examples to the flock. Number two. The church is called the habitation of God. Ephesians 2.22, it says, In whom we are also built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. A dwelling place. The church is the dwelling place of God. The church is also referred to as 
the holy city. One day somebody was criticizing his pastor. And he said, why can you call this small church city? Because the church is a city. You have come to the city of the living God. The church is a city. And it's a holy city. Revelation 21 verse 2. Among others. The church is also called the mountain of God. Zechariah 8.3. The church is also called the house of God. 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I am delayed, I write to you that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church. So the church is the house of God. That is why I said the church is referred to as structures. Persons, groups of people, among others. The church is also referred to as the household of God. The household of God refers to the unique individual elements. So that the reference here is our two individual persons rather than our collective identity. Ephesians 2.19. It says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The church is also referred to as the lamb's wife. So you can as well say the church is a woman. If you have met a woman without a problem, come back. He's a transgender. <laughs> come back. What we have is not a woman. Revelation 19.7. Say, let us, be re- let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Revelation 21 verse 9. says, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. So that the church is not only a wife, the church is also a bride. A bride is a decorated woman about to be coronated wife. So that a bride is not married. When you meet a bride and she has deficiencies, weep not. The husband will correct it. Some of you are not slim. You need a husband and you put on weight. He will feed you sumptuously. (laughs) This is not your genetic composition. The church is the mountain of the lost house. The mountain of the lost house. Isaiah 2 verse 2. The last days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted. On top of the mountains, and shall be above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. The mountain of the Lord's house. So the church is a mountain. It speaks of its immovability. A mountain cannot be moved. So we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. He said, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that, Christ, that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? Let no one deceive himself among you. He seems to be wise in this age. Let him become a fool that he may become wise. You are the temple of God. The church is the vineyard of God. 
So let me sing concerning the vineyard of my master. Jeremiah 12, 10 says, many pastors. Jeremiah 12. He said, many rulers have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. And they have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. If you read it from other versions, it says, many pastors. Because the past, one of the images of pastors in the Bible is rulers. That is why the Bible says, let the elders who rule well. Hebrews 13, 17 also speaks of those who rule among you. So, you will see that the church is referred to as an individual. Like a bride. So that it's, it's personal. Since our Lord is not polygamous, we know the bride is one. The church is also referred to as a group of people. He said, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. All the saints, we are a people. The church is also referred to as a gathering. So do not forsake the gathering together. Jesus said, I'll build my ecclesia and the gates of hell. My gathering. It was also referred to as a place. So we have been built a house in the spirit. It's also seen as even an organic entity. We are members in particular of his body. The church is also seen as a family. The Bible speaks of the church as a family. The family of God in heaven and on earth. The church is a family. All that a family is, is ascribable to the church. The church is a family. The church is a garden. It's piece of the vineyard where plants are sown. The church is even seen as a structure because as the temple, the building, our earthly building is destroyed. So the church is a building. If this is the case, then who is a church member? Jump to your feet and let us close. Let's be on our feet. We'll continue. Hibuchuku onyedima. Hibuchuku onyedike. Hibuava no me gamo. Oh, yeah, 